are dismissed to Children's Church, and please open your Bibles this morning to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, as we continue in this new series, a series on faith and works. Now, if you're using the Pew Bibles in front of you, that's roughly page 951. Look, I took all the work out of it for you. 951. If you're not using that, or even just for your knowledge, the, the book of James is just after Hebrews and before Peter. So it's at the back of your book, almost the very back of the book, the great book, the Bible. Please open there as I do not have the main scripture on the screen today. I do not have the main scripture on the screen. You're lucky I have the slides I do because I struggled this week. There is just so much wisdom to be found in this great book of James that I struggled with what direction to take it. I I hope you know, as I preach through this great book, this is not an all-inclusive sermon series. We're going to work through it relatively fast in six to ten weeks, and I encourage you to dive deeper throughout each week to see different points that I missed or didn't cover. And feel free to come to me, ask to bring me a coffee. I like that. And say, hey, I, I have something great I read that I want to talk to you about, a great point you missed, or maybe something, you know, I read this, and you said this, and I'd like to discuss some different ideas. I'm good with that, too. Just bring the coffee. (laughs) This great book of Proverbs has been referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament because of all the great statements of wisdom and illustrations, metaphors, examples of which it gives. Some of them are greatly and vastly powerful, Some of it is easy to understand and encouraging. Some of it is blunt and convicting. But all of it is great and good for our very souls. It convicts, it edifies, it encourages us. It helps in our God-like righteousness as we live to it. So we're diving into James as we look for wisdom for today from yesterday. I like the way that sounds. Wisdom for today from yesterday's letters. In this book, James writes to a scattered and confused people for the purpose of bringing them back together with the unity to be found through the truth of God's word, which through this one truth, the law of God, a light is found to light our ways. Here's the catch. James writes to a scattered and confused people of that day. But we still have a scattered and confused people who need unity today. So let's read it together. Let's study it together. And let's share in it together and share it amongst others when you leave also. In this great book today, we're going to be looking to this big idea. Believers are to both listen or hear the word and act upon it. Act upon it. The person who both listens and acts upon the word is the one who will truly have a blessed life. Let's read now. Please follow along as I read. Again, it's not on the screen, so I hope you look below in your own Bibles. We start with this at verse 19 of chapter 1. Know this, my beloved brothers. Know this, my beloved brothers. And right with that, know this, you should be listening up. He's about to tell you. He's about to give you some great instruction. But also notice is how he addresses the reader. My beloved brothers. This instruction we're about to read is not for non-believers. It's not for for the purpose of conversion. This this letter you're reading is being wrote to his beloved brothers brothers, his church people, fellow believers. And if you're a believer in Christ, this is how they should live. 
This is how we also should live. Let's read on. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word. I underline that word and circle that word doers. Notice it does not say to do the word. It says to be doers of the word. I like to point out that difference because I believe it's not just something we do once. It's something we continuously do, ceaselessly, without end. We listen and hear, we receive the word, and then we are doers of the word, acting it out. Let's read on. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is a religious, he is religious and does not brittle his tongue, control his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Thanks for following along. Before I get into the commentary on this scripture, I want to have one point just to that one last verse, that one last section, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Why does this get pointed out to us as a way of love, as a way that is pure and undefiled? I read some commentary which I thought is very very enlightening to this. And it's this, back in that day, especially in that day, and somewhat still today as well, but we live differently in today's culture, but especially in that day, orphans and widows, they would not be able to give back. So to show love, to show kindness, to show God-like love and kindness to those people of who will not be able to pay you back was considered all above else better than anything else. Let's get into the word. This is week two of James, a series on faith and works. And we should all memorize this idea, if not the scripture itself. Verse 22 says to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. We must be doers of the word. Now, I have to give some understanding here, and you'll see this throughout this book, that it's not that we're saved through these works. We're saved through faith alone, and we're going to be talking about this in just a little bit to, to quite an extent. But there should be evidence of our faith which follows. In fact, we'll see later that if there are no works in our life at all, if there's no desire to be in the word at all, and if there's no desire then to act upon the word of God, we can question and we should question the very reality of our salvation. We brothers, sisters, friends in Christ are to be a people of action. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. We are to be a people of action. For we all are on a journey of obedience. We all are on a journey 
of obedience. Never should we want to rest content in simply hearing the word of God without actions to follow. Simply put, don't put God off. Don't put God off. I wrote for your notes and on the slide here, the simple, blunt, yet challenging takeaway to the message today is this. As Christians, we must continually hear and listen to the word. We must be continually receiving the word within our lives and acting upon the word of God. And as I thought about this, I thought I also need to share another thought for you. As you read the word of God, there is both prescriptive, prescriptive scriptures and descriptive Scriptures. There's things which just describe the context of the day. There's things that just describe what God was doing in that day for a specific people group or a specific purpose or, or a specific event. And then there's prescriptive, descriptive describes, prescriptive prescribes. And like a doctor prescribes a medication for you to take, not just to sit in your cabinet, God prescribes certain things for us to act upon, to take into our life, and to live out. Not just to take in, but to act out. As we read this scripture from James, it shouldn't be very difficult to see that this was a high priority on the life of James. It was on his mind probably 24-7. He wanted his church people to hear this. And at times, it may actually seem quite blunt. It might seem kind of convicting or kind of harsh how he says what he says to people throughout this letter. But I want you to see also how he addresses these church people as beloved brothers. He wanted what was best for them. God wants what's best for us as well. James did not want them to live a lukewarm life. One to chance. One living through worldly ways. And God does not want us to live a lukewarm life either. He, he lays that out all in scripture exactly how we are to live. And also remember that they are part of the early church, a persecuted church. They did not have the luxury to engage in a lukewarm faith. In many cases, it was truly a life or death choice every day in how they would live and when they might be taken home. Which brings us a question to ask us ourselves today, some application here already. How would we act to the teachings of Christ if we thought that our lives were on the line and we'd die at any moment? Because here's the thing, it's so easy to look at the history of the church and think how terrible of times they lived in. It's so easy to think that they were the persecuted church. And we live with such comfort today, such freedom of religion today. But two things, first... We don't live with quite the freedom we think we live. Satan is testing us every single day and he's testing our beliefs and our entire system. And across the world, the church has struggles. And we must continue to look to God, his word, and act upon it. You see, we're either in the process of being tested or we will be tested. And we must continue to look to the word of God, to hear it. But don't just hear it and let it go out one in one word, out the ear and out the other. Receive it, absorb it. The implanting, it says. Remember it and act upon it. You see... We must act, as one pastor said, because as one pastor states, it's not enough to be a willing people, 
We must be a doing people. I want to focus on that idea for a little bit. We must, it, we must not just be a willing people, but a doing people. And first, I give an example from China from some missionaries. We do not know these missionaries. These were some authors and a book from long ago. But they said this. They stated that China does not as much care about the willing Christian and especially the one who only hears the word. They are most concerned about the ones who act upon the word as doers. Did you hear that? I'd say Satan is the same. He doesn't care about you hearing the word. He doesn't care about you just listening to the word. What he's trying to distract you from doing and twist the truth and keep you from doing is acting it out, living it out, glorifying God with your life and living in a way which brings all attention to him. Again, it's not enough to just be a willing people. Let me give some more examples. It's one thing to say we're willing to help the poor. But it's another thing to act upon this and actually help the poor. It's one thing to be willing to be involved in your kids' lives to say you want to be there. It's another thing to actually act appropriately and show up. It's one thing to be willing to have a happy marriage, one full of healthy communication. It's another thing to act, to be a doer, and to start talking and showing compassion and grace and love to one another. It's one thing to say you're, that you're willing to make healthy eating choices and to treat your body better. It's another thing to actually do it when the choice comes, when you open that fridge or go to that restaurant. These speak to me too. I hope they speak to all of us. Some of them are lighthearted and funny, but some of them are serious. Maybe it's you are willing to stop smoking. You're willing to stop doing that tobacco. You're willing to stop drinking alcohol or getting drunk. You're willing to have wise spending. I'm willing. But you just don't do it. What do we need to put into our lives for accountability to ensure that we do that next step and we act it out. We don't just hear it. We don't just listen to it. We don't just think about it, but we truly do it. You know, it's one thing to be willing to treat your spouse right. It's one thing to be willing to not look at pornography or not look at uh, a person of the opposite sex wrongly, but we must actually act it out. This is not only what's best for us and our, and, and our God glorification within our lives, but it's also what's best for a Christian witness, for others to see. Another illustration of being a doer, a people of action is this, and this should hit home with many of you, parents especially, but we'll get to the kids. Parents, have you ever asked one of your kids to do something? And you're pretty certain they heard you. In fact, you might have even saw that typical, uh-huh, whatever, dad only to later find out they didn't do it? Or how about the children? Maybe you're the kid, ask your parents to play a game with you, to show up for your school concert, their musical, their play, only for them to never show, never to fulfill their promise. They heard you, they let it in, they listened, but they didn't truly absorb it or they at least did not act it out. Now, I'm sure parents and kids alike, everyone would also agree with me with this. That is annoying, right? Isn't it annoying when you ask somebody to do something, they just don't follow through. 
Parents get annoyed with children. Children get annoyed with parents. Bosses get annoyed with their employees, and employees get annoyed with their bosses when they do not do what they say they would do, or when they do not do what, is, what was asked of them or expected out of them. No one likes feeling annoyed. No one likes feeling ignored. No one likes feeling disrespected. No one likes feeling like their time is being wasted. For that instruction is given for a purpose. So how much more, when we're talking about the word of God, should we respect it and follow through with what it says? This is the idea behind this listening and doing scripture. It applies greatly to when we're thinking about the word. We must be quick to listen. Open up both ears as we'll get to in a moment. For it applies to us spiritually, but it also helps us physically and emotionally in the life every day. Let's move on and, and start with that first, first major point to continue discussing. And we'll start moving forward with more scripture points as well. Listening to act or to do. Listening to act or to do. The Lord Jesus Christ said this. He did this. He sets the captives free. You and me, all those in sin, all those who have repented and accepted Christ as Lord, you are free. You're free indeed for that very act of which Christ has done. It's not about what we've done. It's about what he's done. He has saved us through our faith in him. We receive this redemption through his blood. We have a new covenant, one with eternal life with God. It's all by the Lord's doing, not by our own. We're saved through faith, but we also must remember what should come next. Jesus also said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Paul said to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6, 2. You see, that takes action. Once you accept Christ as Lord and you, you repent of your sin and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Repenting means turning around. And it doesn't mean turn around completely as a 360 and just go bite right back to what you're doing. It means turn away from the life you're doing and now live in a godly, godlike, righteous way. It means not just sitting around on the couch. It means to stand on the promises of God, not sit, sit on the promises of God. It means to not just stand on the promises of God, but walk in the promises of God. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. We as believers are called to live a higher purpose in life. We're called to live for a higher, greater thing, a higher, greater individual, something that we can only begin to understand, but he does give us his word to understand. It's not you. It's not me. It's not the world. It's God, sovereign creator of the universe. We as believers are called to live for God's glory. And those who love Jesus should be obeying Jesus. Those who love Jesus should obey Jesus. Say that with me. We're going to say love Jesus, obey Jesus. Love Jesus, obey Jesus. Let's say it once more. Love Jesus, obey Jesus. We get so confused when we think, what are we to do? How are we supposed to live? What should I do with this or that or this? First do this. Love Jesus. Love God. 
Love his people as you love as as you love yourself. Love Jesus. Obey Jesus. What does his word tell you? What does the Holy Spirit within you guide you to do? Love Jesus, obey Jesus. Jesus also said in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And then he says in John 14, 23, if you love me, you will keep my word. Love Jesus, obey Jesus. You see, the word of God demands our obedience. The word of God demands our obedience. Our love for God demands that we follow God. Let's read James 1, 19, 27, just once more as we continue. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You can underline that, circle it, highlight it. That is a theme, the main theme of the scripture and today's message. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue, control his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. How do we become unstained from the world? How do we keep the world from staining us with filthiness and with wickedness? By receiving the implanted word and acting upon it in a way that you don't forget it. By allowing the word to be a light to your path, a lamp to your feet. By remembering his word, as Psalms say, by remembering his word that you might not sin against him. So the Coach by Christ kids, you really know this. And if you got brought up through Coach by Christ, you should know those scriptures. Let's get back to this. James addresses these believers as beloved brethren. He cares about them. And in caring for them, he encourages them with this. Be quick to listen Slow to speak, slow to anger. I've heard it said like this. We all have two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we speak. Some of us need to hear that a little bit more, myself included. I talk too much, and yet you give me a podium and a microphone. Let me say this again for us all to hear. We all have two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we speak. Are we listening today? I hope you're hearing not just my words or any or one another, but you're hearing what God's word says. I do feel what I'm saying is reinforced right here in the scriptures. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This is hard stuff. It's blunt stuff. But because James loved his church people and he cared about their spiritual maturity, he cared about how they're living in God-like righteousness, he says it anyways. And he expects them to hear 
what he has to say. He says, know this, know this. We must know this. We must control the tongue. We must slow down, listen carefully, respond accordingly, act righteously. Or James 1.20 says it like this. Be slow to get angry because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This can be applied both in a spiritual sense as you study the word of God and in our lives practically speaking. For so often when we go into the word of God, we're already angry or we're already frustrated and we have these walls built up and we're going to the word of God just trying to reinforce and support what we already believe or think instead of saying, here I am, Lord. I'm a blank state. I'm a blank slate. Have your way with me. Convict me. Encourage me. Tell me where to go. We should always go into the word with that type of heart, not being angry, but seeking out the righteousness of God. Not only this, but anger can lead to sin, which ruins our Christian witness and ruins relationships and ruins our life. And it does not produce the righteousness of God in us. Therefore, James says in verse 21, as we move forward, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Again, James is encouraging them. He's admonishing them. But, but at the same time, he is challenging them. At the same time, he is convicting them. And he's saying, this way of living is not enough. You must come together. Let's be unified together. Let's live this way. Come alongside me, church. Beloved brothers, let's study the word and let's be doers of the word. What better way is there to live in the righteousness of God and bring along others with you? Be doers of the word. He says, to receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Remember, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is within you. You've received this great gift of the Holy Spirit who helps you to receive the word, understand the word, and act it out in your life. It's been implanted within you. And it's able to save your souls and help you live every day after. In response to this idea, John Piper said this. I've got it on the screen for you. He says, so the word of God is implanted in us and is at work in us and abides in us. And as James 1.21 says, saves, saves us. We cannot easily overstate how profoundly powerful and important the word of God is for our lives. If the word of God does not rank with your most cherished possessions, you need to do a reality check on your life. Nothing apart from God himself is, is more important and powerful than his word. I'm going to leave that up there for a little bit for you to think about. As I say this, we must receive the word of God in our lives. We must hear it. We must listen to it. We must remember it. We must receive it. Fully as implanted word of God by the Holy Spirit. And then we must act accordingly with obedience to it. As Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 reminds us, we must throw off everything else, every hindrance that entangles us. As John 10, 10 re reminds us, every deception that looks to still kill and destroy our lives must be tossed away. As we focus only on his will, his purpose, his glory. And then always remember point two here, and it's a small one, I promise you that. Christians are a people group called to action. 
not lax the living. So act and be ready. We're called to be doers of the word, not just to do, but to continue to do. I heard an illustration about this. I, I love this illustration, and maybe it will ring true for you as we're in the playoffs of the NFL. We're not the Packers. Can you imagine if a football player caught the perfectly thrown ball, but then just stood there and looked at it? The example sounds ridiculous. It's hard to imagine it happening. It's just so profoundly different than what he's supposed to do. But so often that's what we do with the word of God. God tosses it right in our laps. He delivers it to us. He helps us to receive the word. And then we just stare there and look at it. That football player needs to run with the ball. We need to run with the word, living every day with what it says to do. We must look in the mirror of the Bible, not just quickly to then turn around and run off however we like, but we must look intently with the purpose to see how we are to change, to be more like God. To simply receive the word, the message, the teaching, the encouragement, the sermon, this isn't God's best life for you. Your best life for you is to act it out and to live in it. Remember the words of Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, 24 to 15, Jesus says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and then does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Are your lives founded on the rock of God's word? You see, believers are instructed, they're called, they're commanded, they are ordained even to be a people group of action when it comes to the word and the actions of God. Any other response to the word is a lack of obedience and shows not love for God, but a disrespect. Don't put God off, don't disrespect God, love God, love his commandments, act them out in your life. Be founded on the rock, hear the word, and be a doer. Notice the Great Commission in Matthew 28 begins with the word, go. And as we learned last week, as we persevere, we can be going with joy. In verse verse 25 of James, chapter 1, it encourages us. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer, hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, He will be blessed in his doing. Listen to the word, remember the word, and obey the word. That's what one pastor I was reading said. Listen to the word, remember the word, and obey the word. He says, listen humbly, remember the word well, and obey the word in a way which glorifies God. Be blessed then in the hearing and acting out upon the teachings of God. A couple last thoughts as we work to conclude here. Watch your mouth and have righteous actions which follow. Verse 26 says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not brittle control his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I'm sure we've all said things we regret. As I said earlier, we need to remember we have two ears and one mouth, so we should probably do a lot more listening because God gave us two ears for a reason. 
I know I've said things I regret. I know many of you have as well. I should say all of you because we're all sinful people in need of our great Savior and grace. But I think what he's speaking of more here is not having restraint. It's not about that one or occasional thing you say that you shouldn't have. Even in those times, we should just say, oh, man, I screwed up there and keep on going. We should go to that person. Maybe it's God and how we're living. Maybe it's our mom or our dad. Maybe it's our brother or sister or friend. We should go to them and say, I'm sorry for what I said. I hope that didn't come across harshly. If it did, I'm sorry. That's wrong. It wasn't said with grace, with love. But we're talking about unrestrained behavior, the continue unbrittleness. Is that a word? Not being brittle with our tongues. We must continue to be restrained and act appropriately in God's righteousness. But as we work to close, I remind you of this. Just don't say that you're willing to do something. Let's actually do it. Let's put the words of Christ to action. Let's love the orphans, love the widows. In other words, using that metaphorically, love all. Not just the ones who you think, oh man, if I treat them right, it's going to come back and pay me two times, three times, four times as much. Love all, even the ones who you don't know if they'll ever pay it back to you because that's not what it's about. Love all. Love God. Love his people as you love himself. Love Jesus and do his commands. Remember those words of James to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And slow down, hear, listen, and act upon the word of God. We were joking about that at the back of the room as we began this morning with someone. Um, And he just wishes he could do more in a way. Well, I said, in some ways, a lot of us need to be, be told to slow down and sit down. Listen up. Open our ears. This passage, this scripture, as we conclude, this book of James, it's a tough pill to swallow. A lot of people go to James because they think it's great. It's so reassuring in my times of struggle. But there's also a lot here which are more tougher things to swallow and we're convicted of. Allow yourself to be convicted. It's okay. In fact, we should ask ourselves, are we listening and acting upon the word of God? We should ask ourselves, do my words and actions align with God's word and my Christian witness, what it should be. We should ask ourselves, what have I done lately lately in response to my faith? We should ask ourselves, do I talk more than I act? Do I talk more than I act? We should ask ourselves one final question here. Is my will stronger than my follow-through? Or maybe one else to ask, is all of this glorifying to God? They're tough questions, but they're questions we should ask ourselves. And as we ask ourselves, don't forget the love and grace of God. He continues, he forgives, he continues to equip, and he continues to have a better life in store for you and awaiting you. But he also wants you to not just improve upon yourself, but to help in his mission to improve the world and his kingdom. Receive the word of God like blood for the heart. That was another illustration I found that I like. Blood is needed for the heart. The word of God is needed for us. So as I close, I close with this. Hear the word, remember the word, and act upon it 
we as Christians must be a group, a people group of action. And as we close, I pray this. I pray that we all would commit our lives to action. Pray about this. Ask God to help. Is there something that's holding you back? What is it? Pray these things. I encourage you to not just do, but be a doer. And then finally, come talk to me. Come talk to someone. Come talk to a friend. Find that accountability to find help to continue to do the word of God within your own life. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We pray that it would be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We pray that it would continue to guide us in all ways for your glory and that we would not sin against you. We, Lord, just pray that we would open up our ears and listen more, speak less, but then move, be moved to a point by conviction and encouragement of the Holy Spirit within our lives to act upon your word daily. To be doers of the word and not hearers only, to not deceive ourselves. May we look in mirrors every day of your word and see what we are to do, how we are to change, to not continue to be ourselves, but to be made more into the likeness of Christ. And may the way we live be a witness to your great love. In all we do, Lord, we want to glorify you. Help us to commit this to you. Help us to live in your ways. Amen. Please stand. Let's sing this final song together.
the Lord Almighty. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah, roaring with power. adjust your schedules to 10 minutes later and children or parents of children take that in consideration as well thank you for teaching thank you for coming we love you 